Hey Jess, how's it going? Really looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, I think today's episode's going to be really special. It's all about um, the Quality, Diversity and Inclusion Conference that was put on in December. And it was specifically aimed at the geoscience community. Uh, so it had the cool acronym of EDIG. Um, and today we have Aileen Doran and she was the organizer of the team. Um, I was actually part of the organizing committee as well. Um, but Aileen really um, led the team and drove forward the event. So I'm really interested to hear um, how she found organizing it. And I know you attended the event as well, didn't you? Yeah, so I, I was um, attending it, just sort of watching it online from home in the start of December. It was such a, a fantastic conference and, you know, a real kind of uh, learning experience. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to chatting with Aileen. This is iCragorama, the podcast about all things Irish geoscience. With me, Faulkner. And Jess Franklin. Today, our guest is Aileen Doran, a PhD researcher at University College Dublin. So welcome to iCragorama, the EDIG episode. Today's guest is Aileen Doran. Aileen was the lead of the organizing team for the EDIG conference. Um, so the EDIG conference was the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion in Geoscience conference that t- um, took place online uh, last December, December 2020. Uh, so we're really excited to have Aileen here today. Hi, Jess and Eve, and I just wanted to say thanks for inviting me to come chat to you today as well. Uh, so my name's Aileen, and I'm, I guess, finishing up my PhD um, that's looking at economic geology in um, the Irish Zinclair ore field, but um, I've also started a new position last week. Um, and so I think the most important thing out of my background is that I'm from Wexford, and um, yeah, I think that's all you really need to know. <laughs> so how did you get involved with EDIG, and how did sort of the the conference and I guess initially the committee how did that come to light? Kind of a difficult question in some ways because um, EDIG was never actually intended to be anything um, that, that sounds kind of bad but um, basically EDIG started as a suggestion of a workshop and um, so about almost exactly a year ago um, there were several of us from ICRAG who attended a large international conference and we uh, experienced sexual harassment at the event and just for me it was my first time ever experiencing anything like that and luckily I was with people who were extremely supportive and um, were able to like help me get past the, the phase where often people often blame themselves and dismiss it and don't think about it um, but um, on return to iCrag um, I sent an email to the iCrag admin being like hey I think we should do a workshop on like unconscious bias and assertiveness training mostly because I wanted to do take part in this so I'd never actually intended on being involved organizing anything um, but I guess that's not really how it goes uh, so it ended up getting passed on because um, the the, wor- the world kind of just went virtual so the meeting that we were meant to be doing something like this got cancelled and went virtual so we passed it on to the iCRAG EDI committee which I was also a part of um, and then as we were kind of um, discussing this and planning it um, we were going to initially do something around gender-based discrimination because that's actually where the majority of our experience lay 
Um, but then it kind of just grew and we ended up um, splitting off of the ICRAG EDI committee and forming the EDI committee. Um, and then we opened it up to new members that were outside of the EDI committee and also outside of ICRAG. Um, and it kind of just barreled into what it became. And now it's an initiative, that's a thing. And so it was kind of an accident, but um, it, it's a successful accident, I think. Uh, yeah, I had no idea that that um, that's how it, it came to light. And it's, um, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that experience. And unfortunately, as as we'll sort of see with the survey results later, I think that's like quite um, quite commonplace, unfortunately, in in the geosciences and and in the sort of larger STEM fields. What was your your role in general? You, you said you sort of started out on the committee, and then how did that sort of go on from there? Yeah, so I actually ended up um, being the, the organizing chair of the EDA project. Um, I guess a lot, a lot of people on our committee, like, um, we're all just volunteers and literally everyone had like a full-time job. So this was everyone doing it in their spare time. So, so I ended up just being the organizing chair of it, which kind of initially when we started out, we'd focused on, um, running a survey, which, um, a lot of people have hopefully come across and we were using the survey results to structure the conference was the main, the main purpose of them. Um, so kind of over the course of the edict process, I was able to get involved with things from like the survey design and um, reaching out to people and sharing it and reaching out to um, different organizations and groups to come on board. Um, also, I've got to be really active on social media, which was really stressful in one way, but also really rewarding in another. Um, there was a lot of really really good information out there and uh, there was one thing that we did as part of edig where um, uh, we started a, a weekly initiative called hashtag diversity day on social media um, so if you go onto twitter and google our name and hashtag diversity day, you should find the past posts um, but we kind of tried to pick a different group or initiative every week and we highlighted them so sometimes it was like a journal article where we summarized it in a few different um, things it was just really informative and also a really useful way to learn um, and i guess the main thing I was kind of involved with then was actual planning of the conference and there was um we kept forming lots of subcommittees that's that's how we went around it but yeah it was a lot of different things to do. Had you ever been involved in organizing an event like that before any conferences or seminars or anything like that? <laughs> Nothing like to the scale of edict um yeah that was kind of in a whole other realm of its own but um I actually have been really involved with the Irish Association for Women in Geosciences or the IAWG and last year for International Day of Women and um, Girls in Science I organized for the IWG in UCD a showcase of uh, current and past UCD graduates um and while that was a lot of experience of planning I think like 12 people came to it so it was much different scale to the 700 people that registered for eating um but yeah it was a lot it was a good experience and uh, I've learned a lot from it going forward anyway for organizing that's really interesting actually because uh last year we did an episode an icargorama episode on the IGO conference and Dave O'Leary from Galway was on talking about um organizing that and he actually said the exact same thing that he had never organized anything to the scale of IGO but he had done smaller events when he was in his undergrad I think that's really encouraging for people maybe at, at early career stage that you don't really have to have a lot of experience of doing these things Um, you can scale it up and like you said we had lots of subcommittees lots of people organizing smaller parts of the event and you get lots of support um, and it's really really encouraging to know that you can start from feeling like you don't really know what you're doing and still put on something so incredible what do you think were the kind of 
pros and cons of having it online versus in person? It's kind of useful in a way that the world has gone to such a virtual platform. Because like this would never would have happened if we hadn't gone so global. It would have always stayed as a, an internal workshop, just looking at um, really specific things. It never would have kind of turned into what it did. Um, so it's a lot more um, accessible for a lot more people from a much wider area. But um, also there's so many more accessibility options for people from lots of different backgrounds that can make events like this one much more inclusive, like closed captions and Zoom has so many different features like that, which is great. Um, I guess apart from just it being really useful in terms of stuff like that, it was also it meant way more people could get involved. Um, so we had like people from Canada um, and Australia and lots of places um, all over the world. Um, so it was great. And we could also just record all of the, the seminars much more easily. That's not really a thing that traditionally happens at in-person conferences. Um, and that meant that people could go back and watch them in their own time because all the videos are up on our YouTube channel, eDig Conference. Um, but I guess I think one of the, the most negative things from an online um, conferences you kind of lose that networking touch so I think many audience members didn't really get the opportunity to network that they could have um, if it was an in-person event but if we're being honest if we had tried to organize this event a year ago in Ireland and ask people from Canada to take time out of their own working schedule to come talk for 15 minutes at an event we wouldn't have gotten so many restaurants probably would have gotten about five um, and we we're also quite lucky that um, because it was online, we were able to get so much support of lots of different supporting partners and different geological organizations um, as well. So that was kind of useful. So I, d I do like the online um, format. I think we'll probably stick with that. I also find that um, the EDI community in general are, because it's an issue that uh, sort of spans countries, spans nationalities, they're a really active uh, community on, on social media and on Twitter. So I think that's, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been the same conference had it been in person. And what was your sort of your aim and your goal for for the EDIC conference? To be honest, I was, um, this because it was the first time that I'd ever done anything like this or that the group of us had really done anything like this. I was pretty nervous that like it just wouldn't be received well. People would just be like, you don't know what you're on about. Uh, thankfully, we were met with really helpful, positive interactions and um, any time that we like um, may have made a mistake or anything people reached out and helped us to learn um because we kind of always just tried to come at it with the edict committee like we're not experts we don't have a clue we just want to learn um, and in the process of our learning we wanted to bring as many people in with us as we could on our journey because one thing that we kind of realized along the way is this like we all need to do have these conversations together we all need to make progressive act or steps together we can't just let one or two people lead the way we all need to take part um, but I guess the overall aim of the EDIG project and the conference was just to facilitate learning and in particular to bring in people who are not always involved in these conversations. So like the heads of organizations and institutes and we're really lucky that the head of iCraig, Murray, was really supportive and like really it probably wouldn't have happened if Murray hadn't have been in all the meetings going, no, do it like this and like sooner and like he was really good at giving guidance and organized stuff like this. Um, so I think that's kind of where we were unique. A lot of other groups might not have the support um, like that. But yeah, so it was just really to try bring us all together and make geosciences more inclusive and accessible overall. I love that so much. I love that the main goal was to learn. And I think that's such a humble approach. Um, to take I think something that came out of the survey that we did was kind of, kind of two things really um just for the listeners we formulated a survey with the intention of gathering as much 
information about EDI issues in the geoscience community as we could. And the whole point, as Aileen said, was to learn what people's issues were, what kind of um, challenges people were facing so that we could deliver content and invite speakers that could speak to all these different issues, a lot of which um, many of us didn't understand or hadn't faced before. So amazing with the survey, we got over 700 responses from geoscientists in over 50 countries all over the world, which was absolutely incredible and really overwhelming. And one of the main things that came out of it um, was the fact that 86 of the respondents to the survey, 86%, sorry, said that they had witnessed some form of discrimination or bias or prejudice um, in some form. And also we had 72% of respondents said that they had experienced different forms of um, discrimination, prejudice, uh, bias. Um, I'm just wondering, did those results surprise you, Aileen? Yeah, to be honest, they did. Um, but it's while they are pretty high in themselves, um, to be honest, I think they're probably really a lot higher. And I think part of the reason that that is, is people especially if you're ever experienced or witnessed these events by yourself, you tend to just dismiss them and discount them. Um, and so like, I, I know I do that myself, like that instant that ended up stemming all this. Uh, my first reaction was just to hide on myself and just pretend it didn't happen. And I automatically blame myself because that's what a lot of people do. So I think the fact uh, it's really interesting, uh, but also shows we have a lot to do, especially that the, the people who said they've uh, witness is higher than the people who said they've experienced and I think that likely shows that people are just dismissing and discounting their own experiences while they might see that exact same thing happen to someone else and they will go rush and support them they just don't do that to themselves which I think just shows that we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah I think I think that statistic in particular like for me is the most interesting one because of that 86% how many people took action after that Especially when you experience something like that, you sort of immediately sort of go into yourself and you think, oh, that was my fault. Or, I was in the wrong or I'm only a PhD student. I'm only an, a young, early career scientist. For example, you know, in the lab or something like that, you, you have to realize that oh, I still have to work with these people for another three years. And and is me reporting this one issue? Is it is it worth the extra strain on my relationship with with someone I work with over the next three years? You kind of internalize it. Which like I mean I know I'm guilty of that and I'm I'm sure a lot of people are yeah it's interesting in how we can try and like kind of break this like thought process and um and I think like you said the kind of main aim is learning and I think that for me that was my main aim of attending. There was actually a really good um, video um, it's all also available on our YouTube channel um, where. Me Too Mining is a group that works quite um, in the economic mining industry world and they've become really, really active and they tend to go to a lot of different conferences and economic geology is one of the, there's a lot of work to do in economic geology with a lot of these issues, um, but so they're tackling it and one thing that they've um, designed is what they call a bystander training, which there's a lot of really good advice on their website, so it's, um, I think it's metoomining.com. Um, but one thing that uh, Sue, the, the president, suggested to do if you ever like engage one of these, and to be honest, I'm, I'm going to do it myself because like, it's exactly what I needed to hear because my problem with, when I experience any of these issues is I just don't know what to say and I panic and I freeze in the moment and then I tend to think I was stupid or something like that. But Sue suggested um, designing a couple of different phrases. So something like, that's not okay. 
and just practice it in the mirror every day or something like that. Um, and like, it, I think it's really, really useful advice and that you should go check out their website because um, it's really uncomfortable to say those things. And like, that's something that could really help as well. I think that's such a good point. Like you, you've both said we've all experienced issues to different degrees, but we tend to dismiss our own experiences. And like you said, Aileen, just saying something as simple as that's not okay can feel so difficult. Um, it's a cultural shift that needs to happen, isn't it? We need to have that mentality of downplaying our own experiences. And if you feel uncomfortable, you feel uncomfortable. Um, that's enough to ask somebody to change their behavior, even just to communicate how you feel. And I think that's something that EDIG has really worked towards is fostering a community of support and um, something that came out of the survey I know for me and I know for the team that was all working on the survey results was we had a section where we invited people to describe their experiences and it was completely optional um, but we people fill in that part of the survey and it was very difficult to read through people's experiences there was a vast range of different experiences um, and some of the results that came out, we had 27% of people said they experienced sexual harassment of some form. 22% said they discriminated. They were discriminated um, based on their professional or job status. Um, 15% had experienced racism of some form. And 12% of people experienced ableism or discrimination based on a disability, including mental health issues. And again, reading through all these different experiences, you know, different members of the committee could identify um, with different stories. Um, but one of the, I guess, encouraging and disheartening things was the fact that everybody identified with something. And while we were shocked at the volume of responses, nobody was really shocked at the content of the stories. And that's really sad. That really speaks volumes to what's going on. And obviously, it's important that we create these communities that people feel like they can belong to so they can bring these stories to light. And really, that's the first step in tackling these problems is talking about them. Um, and I love that that's what EDIG aims to do. Um, so I think maybe we could talk a bit about how we used those results and those variety of stories and how that led on to developing the content for the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, as you mentioned, uh, we got a massive response for the survey, especially because we came out of nowhere. Uh, we were just kind of this little group associated with a research centre uh, that a lot of people had heard of, but not, not as many as you think. Um, and then just we kind of just were like, hey, do this survey about this really like uh, sensitive topic and like trust us that we're actually like wanting to do a good thing. Um, so I guess when we got the survey results back, one of the, the main things was um, to pick the main teams um, and um, different things like that from it. So we could use that to structure the conference because it was always the idea of um, the survey was to help us understand the experiences of geoscientists better because after we decided to expand outside of um, gender-based discrimination and uh, kind of include as many as we could in these conversations because we realized the intersectional approach is really vital you can't just talk about one of these problems by itself because most of the time people don't just fall into one single tick box and it's way more complex than that and we need to actually have much more um, intricate conversations around it 
So when we picked the main teams from that, we had a lot of Zoom meetings with our committee um, and it was suggested at one of them by um, Jess that we should do maybe um, three teams around um, the idea of where we have come from, where we are now and where we are going. So we sat down, um, the survey team and the conference team, um, and picked out the most appropriate teams from the survey for the, the conference and all working in Excel um, came up with like a structural framework that we were able to just try find the best speaker for different slots. So um, some of the speakers were ended up being from our supporting partners and other suggestions and also just from people we saw on social media as well because um, there were so many people so active um, in the geoscience community on EDI topics and social media, in particular Twitter. Um, yeah and I guess we just we kind of went through and uh, had a list of people from um, everyone we talked to and just tried to put a name to a topic based on like if they'd ever published an article or anything like that. So it was a lot of uh, Googling and uh, emailing to get the structure up and running but um, and lots of three-hour Zoom meetings, which thankfully have passed. Maybe you could just uh, tell us a bit more about the topics that were covered in the conference and the kind of variety of backgrounds that people, the invited speakers, came from. Yeah, absolutely. So I think kind of um, for myself anyway, when I was starting to go into thinking about this, one of the things that I wanted to get out of it was um, just a better awareness of the challenges that other people face in our community. Um, and I think like while awareness is only the first step, I think it's really important to get that awareness. Um, we all need to talk about and be open minded to different barriers to access and um, also just retention issues. So we kind of um, ended up accidentally I guess putting it in one session was kind of focused on the awareness and that ended up being the second one so where are we now um, and then in terms of the other sessions um, each session had an edig lead so I was done over the awareness one and then the, uh, Jess was over herself was over session one and then we had another colleague Anna over session three so each of the session leads kind of spent time on how they kind of wanted to see it going um, so the first session was kind of looking at the history of geosciences. And so our first opening talk was um, not even from a geoscientist, uh, uh, from Pratik. He was talking about colonization and geo geosciences, which is a really interesting topic. And uh, he brings in some really interesting real life examples um, um, and really has set up such a wonderful scene for the rest of the conference. Um, so check that out. It's on Twitter. Or not on Twitter. It's on YouTube. Um, and so then we were kind of looking at like how we've progressed and talking about like diversity and things like this in the first session. And we, we got a quite a positive, I think, um, outlook because it's like we have made progress um, and like so we are doing a lot better than we were 50 years ago. Um, but unfortunately, we just have a lot more issues to overcome. And I think those talks kind of reflected on how past discussions have often only really been focused on gender based issues. And um, so that's the one where the most progress has been done um, as well. And then I guess um, kind of where we led on from that was um, we suggested to each of the speakers about what we'd like them to kind of talk around based on the survey results. And we gave them everyone who asked for access to the survey results. And um, so we got to cover some really interesting topics around like um, the leaky pipeline and retention issues and how that can have a really negative impact on research because you're losing out on such amazing like people just because they don't feel welcome in our geo and geosciences which is ridiculous um so we what lot of work um and then also as we move past um session two and kind of just trying to make people more aware of people's different situations so we had talks on like um social um socioeconomic backgrounds um and then also just the leaky pipeline and racism and geosciences um but we tried to finish up on 
a bit of a positive kind of forward looking one. So where are we going? Um, and this kind of had a lot of some kind of student based programs and then other people who just kind of work in trying to improve geosciences in different ways. So um, we had the, the Anya, who's the author of um, How Can We Make Geosciences More Accessible, which is an article talking about listing seven things to make geoscience fieldwork more accessible and so these resources are out there to help us move forward it's just about finding them and I think the EDIG conference is useful because they're all kind of a lot of them are in one place so go assess a tree um, but then we also finished with a workshop which was their always the original tent of EDIG which was nice um, so we finished um, and that, that workshop was sponsored by the IGI and ICRAG um, and run by Yasmin who's based over in um, the city of London and it was so informative and um, kind of positive as well. Um, and so it's not available yet, but it will be shared soon. But Yasmin gave a really a lot of really useful advice on how we can go forward. And she also went into a lot of detail about some of the more complex issues um, that don't often get talked about because there's a lot of scary terminology that people get turned off on. So they never actually go into talk, um, uh, start these conversations or anything. I particularly like that the conference kicked off with the screening of Picture of Scientists. So for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a fantastic documentary that was picked for the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival. It chronicles experiences and the struggles of female scientists, including geologist Jane Willenbring. It's such a powerful story and highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to go see it. Uh, if you Google it, there's probably some geology society running some free screening of it somewhere. Um, but we were just really lucky that we were, um, uh, iCrag was willing to support the screening of it, so we were able to facilitate it like that, because any idea we had, iCrag just said yes to, so that was great. Uh, so yeah, it was just really great to be able to actually start off conversations with something like that, and we were able to bring it in through the course of the conference as well. Um, and not being able to offer for free for people was really, really great as well. Yeah, it was a fantastic screening. It's a really powerful documentary. So I'm really interested, Niamh, uh, you attended the event. Um, obviously for us, organising it, you had a particular experience. Um, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I think it went very well and the content was really informative and um, really stimulating. But I just wanted to know what made you decide to attend the event and what kind of did you expect, expect it to be and what did you really enjoy about it? So I wanted to attend it because I'd never actually been to um, any sort of EDI conference before. I've you know done done small workshops, and um, for me it was fantastic that it was you know a, a full conference focused on EDI. Like for me, EDI is like a, a really important issue. It's something that I really try to proactively engage in because I think it's so important that we kind of like can foster like, safe work environments and, and make sure that everyone feels comfortable. And I really wanted to sort of challenge my own assumptions because, you know, the top 10% is the tip of the iceberg and that that may be sort of physical man manifestations and like racial slurs, but then it's the sort of 90% underneath is sort of microaggressions and, and not getting put up promotion based on your name and, and all this sort of stuff that, you know, you, you wouldn't really think of, but I think it's so important for us to learn. It was really interesting and um... I think that's um, a really good point actually. Um, geoscience is one of the least diverse STEM fields out there and because of that we're often surrounded by people that look like us, maybe come from similar backgrounds to us and because of that um, lack of exposure to different um, 
people from different backgrounds, often it's easy to turn a blind eye to other people's experiences. Um, And I think, like you said, it's really important to challenge our own perceptions and to look outside our own groups, our own bubbles, um, our own communities, and actually look around and say, why does everybody look the same? Why don't we have... um, a more diverse community within science. And for me, that was a huge part of this conference was figuring out those barriers that people face coming into geoscience. And as you mentioned, the opening talk, um, Professor Pratik Chakrabarti, he's actually a science historian and he gave that talk about um, the history of uh, colonial, colonialism and geoscience, which are so intricately intricately interlinked and because of that how that's a barrier for people from different backgrounds coming into geoscience it's inherently associated with colonial colonialism and whiteness um and that's a huge barrier and again you were talking about Anya who spoke about her experiences um with autism and fieldwork and how fieldwork is such a huge part of geoscience and that can be a huge barrier to people of different abilities who may be interested in the field of geoscience but put off by the idea that they may have to go out in a field camp with people they don't know for extended periods of time um, with the lack of facilities to suit their needs. Um, so I think those sorts of issues that maybe some of us wouldn't have experienced or even know of somebody else who experienced, um, I thought that was a really interesting part of the conference was talking about the barriers not just the leaky pipeline of why we're losing people along the way but why aren't we inviting these people why don't these people feel welcome to the table um in the first instance um so I found that a really powerful part of the conference um again I'd highly recommend people to go back and rewatch um the videos on YouTube from the different speakers who talk about a lot of these issues we also had a really interesting talk about uh, the socioeconomic barriers geoscience can be a very expensive subject to study again because of things like fieldwork and for that reason um maybe people from um certain backgrounds will be put off coming into the the field as well um so I thought that was really interesting um I'm wondering yourself Aileen coming from the side of organizing it as well what what did you learn what was your big takeaway from the whole conference I just realized that uh, there were so many just subconscious unconscious biases I had myself and I think part of it was really just learning that we need to accept those about ourselves and we need to just a lot of time people get quite angry if they get it wrong or um, they get really frustrated so it might not go any further um, or they feel like because they don't ha- um, have those experiences themselves they don't really need to get involved. I think one of the really important things from the conference is that we all need to take part in these conversations and it's not up to the people who fall into the minoritized groups or the people that have to face these barriers entries to fight this battle it's like we all have enough to be doing so like let's all do it and uh, we'll get to a lovely inclusive place and we'll be able to work on these barriers entries and remove them and things like that as well and um, so I still think we have quite a lot of work to do but these issues are a lot more intersectional so they're a lot more combined and they shouldn't be treated separately anymore that we need to start bringing them together um, as well. Yeah I think that's a really important point uh, the intersectionality of all these issues. Often people don't just experience one form of discrimination and sometimes it can be difficult for people to decipher 
what they're being discriminated against. Is it their gender? Is it their race? Is it religious background? Um, anything like that. Um, so I think that's a really important point as well. And just to say that there is an immense amount of data that came out of our survey and it is so complex and intricate and we're all geoscientists. So we don't really have the expertise to um, analyze a lot of this data. So we're getting a lot of help in doing that currently at the moment. And we really hope to get more of the results out and available to people um, during the course of uh, this year, um, because there's a lot of really important points coming out of it. And we want to make sure that the data is analysed correctly and um, really looked at um, by people who can understand uh, social science data, which is essentially what it is, so that we make sure that all the messages are coming through and that they're shared um, in the correct way. So I just wonder as well, Aileen, do you think there's any kind of concrete actions that could come out of EDIG or anything that you hope for the future? Because I know another statistic in the survey when we asked people about if there were any EDI initiatives in their workplace or their place of study, 76% of respondents says, said that there were, but only 40% of respondents said that the initiatives were effective. So I think we're kind of in that space at the moment where EDI issues are getting a lot of attention on social media and in the mainstream media. Um, but sometimes there's a danger of things becoming a box, box ticking exercise that we have an initiative in this workplace. But then people are saying, actually, a lot of the times these initiatives aren't effective and they're not making a difference. So do you think going forward with EDIG, there's some concrete steps we could take to kind of enable change in a real way on the ground? Yeah, absolutely. Looking at how I was a year ago and the average person who feels like they're an ally, like looking back on how I was a year ago I felt like I was a great ally and like I was really supportive to a lot of different communities but I also now realize I didn't have a clue this is so much broader I was really aware of gender-based issues but um like really just you need to take the next step to get outside of your comfort zone and look outside and look at the all the other challenges that are often not brought into the conversation at all like disability discrimination is rarely taught about and people are finally starting to call that out and often on social media um, but I think from the conference overall, there was some really key take home messages in that you don't need to go organize a conference to make a change. There's really simple day to day things that you can do, like say you're organizing seminars for your school or your workplace or something like that. Just ensure diversity. Um, and a lot of people even talk of this, but Edig say that, oh, they didn't couldn't find anyone that like people just aren't diverse in this research area or something. And as the speakers uh, emphasize that's just not true it's just they're not being asked because it's I think a little bit of an exposure thing where because people aren't um, being asked from different backgrounds then people don't know um, that they're there to be asked so it's we need to improve the diversity of webinars so more people can see the diversity of geosciences as well and um, we've a lot of work to do um, but also if you're even just running a field course say if for uh, an organization or your school or something think about the accessibility options for it um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be like going completely virtual it really depends on what you're doing I guess but there's some really great groups um, that work on like accessibility for fieldwork specifically like um, there's a lot of people now using drones to do fieldwork so why not make your fieldwork virtual a lot of people can't do fieldwork now because of COVID anyway so 
COVID has been great and showing that all the things that we said we couldn't do, we can. Um, like working at home is a lot easier now as well. And like there's been lots of cases where people have been refused to be allowed to work at home and have to go into an office or something like that. Um, and now it's like, look, we can all work at home. Um, but also there's a lot of virtual options up for field work already. Um, also a really key one, I think that a lot of people overlook, myself included, I've learned a lot in this process, is um, on social media, include the accessibility options like alt text and images that's so important to include because if you don't it excludes a massive cohort of people um that have may have visual impairments or anything around that um so just it's a really simple thing it's just adding a description it's really simple there's literally um papers explaining how to do it but it's really easy um or even just closed captions or transcripts for videos um, and then I guess more in your workplace, why not start a conversation around EDI in at your kitchen table at lunch or something like that? Because if we don't start having these conversations and trying to challenge the idea of what a geologist looks like in our own workplace, then we won't start to see any change. And um, we need to start having these conversations with everyone so that we bring everyone into it as well. Yeah, I really like the, um, the discussion that it, it brought up about um, fieldwork because ironically like my work now doesn't involve any field work like I'm a lab-based geologist but I'd still call myself a geologist and so it also it's kind of you know we need to sort of change our our perception of what geology actually means you don't have to you know be a boots on the ground hammer on the rock person because like I that doesn't you know because I'm in a lab coat making solutions that doesn't make me any less of a geologist than you know than the next person so I thought that was a really you know once again you know, it goes back to us challenging our perceptions us learning and, and and doing like that so I thought that was for me like an amazing you know kind of the best part of the conference is just challenging our perceptions actually in line with that you just reminded me I don't do any field work and um, for my PhD and haven't since undergrad uh, I am also lab-based like uh yeah but like most of the people even like our research center most of them don't actually do field work like uh, there's computer modelers um which like i don't really know what computer modelers do but they do modeling of some sort um and like it are completely based inside they never go to like core logs or anything like that um so it's really so many different routes and options for people to take now the idea that a geologist has to do field work i think is just a silly notion um and i recently saw on twitter that there was another article talking about how you can't be a real geologist without doing field work like no that's not true it's like you, there's geology is so diverse and so intersectional that saying that you can only do field work and you can only like for geological mapping is really really like 50 year ago thinking i think um and like there's we just progress so much more geology is so much more than it used to be um it's a bit mad but yeah so just to finish up What's the future of EDIG? What's going to happen going forward? Like, put on this great conference. That's great. What ha what happens with the group now? Is it going to continue? Is there any plans going forward for 2021? Yes. Um, good question. Um, so up until about the conference last year, because it turns out planning conference is quite stressful, I was like, no, EDIG's not going to happen next year. It'll just be this one-off event, because initially it was just meant to be a one-off event. Um, but thankfully... That's not what's going to happen. It's turned into an initiative now and it's going to be its own thing. Um, so this year we're going to stay quite closely linked with our organizing partner, ICRAG, um, and we're going to be meeting soon with our supporting partners to see how we can best work with them moving forward and about what we can do together. Um, but I guess in terms of the next year, um, 
most of us have finally on the committee have I think transitioned from our job changeover so that was kind of the reason we've gone a bit quiet at the minute was because there's a lot of people myself included finishing up jobs um so that's nice um that we're kind of getting back in and we're starting to meet um and we're kind of trying to formalize the structure a little bit more so um moving forward and in our next few meetings we're going to be deciding on what we actually want to focus on and it's likely we're going to have um, a research element so focusing on the survey results and how to best get um get the use out of those and in in the future we'd really like to focus a lot on research and geoscience and EDI because there's a lot of work to, that really needs to be done but we just want to collaborate with external people for that and then obviously we're going to keep organizing events and um, there's a lot of things that I think we have room to do this year so uh, we've already had people asking if they can talk at the next EDIG conference so that's good <laughs> keep them coming that'll be great um, and so also I think a, a lot of us really want to do some more uh, targeted events so maybe looking at disability and geosciences because one thing the conference kind of popped up was the reason that people are often um, afraid to talk about these or they might get like um, disability in particular gets left out of the conversation because people are just afraid that they're going to offend someone or that they use the wrong terminology or something like this and um, so I think that's um, whole different conversation but hopefully we'll be able to go a bit more targeted um, toward events like that this year as well. So uh, based on what you know now of organising the EDU committee would you do anything differently? <laughs> uh, yes but uh, I think overall I, I am really happy with how the whole event went and I think it did exactly what we wanted it to do it facilitated conversations and learning and um, like I just feel like I know so much more now but still a lot to learn <laughs> I don't think you can really truly ever call yourself an expert in EDI um, but here we are so I think one of the main things is um, look more into online accessibility in particular quite early on so that was this kind of something because we didn't have the experience with it on our committee it was a bit of an oversight and kind of just um uh we got highlighted and so we were able to work on it and actually make sure that we were able to introduce accessibility options like uh, live captioning and stuff to our event um but i think it the people i was talking to around this made the point that it does really need to be something that's thought about at the very start before anything's ever announced um, and i think a lot of the time especially with the way the world has gone so virtual that these are often um, not really taught about and because people don't really know like how what do you do for a zoom zoom is new and this weird thing and nobody really knows because everyone kind of assumes it's much easier but there's still a lot of people who um need to be taken into consideration for like online platforms like this as well um like english may not be the first language and a lot of these events are in english so like live captions will really help people like understand what people like myself say when I speak too quickly um, and things like this. But I think, yeah, I think that's one of the main things is just take a step back and talk to a lot more people at the very start so that you can just learn as much as you can going forward. Um, but yeah. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, Aileen. Um, we've learned so much about EJIG and it's really good to get a kind of personal um, perspective of what it was like for you to organize it um, and what you got out of it. And also with Neve with you attending and what you learned from it I think it's really really interesting and hopefully people um, are interested and if they don't know about EDIG and they want to find out more where where can they go is there a website social media we're a little bit of everywhere um, so at the minute we have a web page just associated with the ICRAG website 
go to the iCrag webpage and just look for edig It'll, it should come up um um also you can reach out to us with our email which is edig at icrag-center.org um also we're on twitter and all the other social media platforms and you'll be able to find us um using at edingo for most of those yeah and uh, that's all of our contact details right now i guess and in terms of yourself, Aileen, what is your what are your future plans? I know you're sort of coming to the close of your um, PhD. So what's the what's the plan going um, for it? Apparently, I've already jumped ahead and I've started a new job as a research assistant. Which, when I finally get past the PhD submission process, will be a postdoc. Um, so that's really exciting. Though that's uh, looking at um, the Zambian copper belt, and um, so. That'd be really cool getting to go to Africa for a couple of months. Um, and then I guess hopefully the PhD will be done quite soon. Um, but I think everyone in the final stages of their PhD says that up until they submit. So we'll see. Um, and then I guess outside of kind of academia and that kind of side, um, I'm going to stay quite involved with the EDA project, obviously. And uh, we'll actually be doing some presentations at a few different conferences come up. So the, the most upcoming conference um, is the EGU. So we're going to be talking about EDIG and the background and where we came from and a little bit about the survey results. Um, so join us. We will share on social media. Yeah, I think that's kind of my life, I think. If people want to find you on social media, are you on social media? Yes. Um, I've been ignoring Twitter for <laughs> the last age, but Twitter is kind of where I go for my geoscience world. I've um, categorized all my social medias into different things. So Twitter is a geoscience one. Um, so I'm at Aileen Dorn and the digit one. Uh, Aileen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking today about EDIG and just EDI in general. And I mean, like I said earlier, it's super, super encouraging to see so many people like engaging in EDI activities and also just like so many people around the world as well, not just not just within Irish geoscience. And, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, the onus is really on us to keep challenging the environments and the workspaces we work in, but also challenging our own thoughts and um you know learning to be sort of better allies so um you can watch all the youtube videos so go to the youtube page edi conference but yeah thank you so much for for joining us aileen thank you so much for having me it was great thanks so much aileen talk to you soon Bye. bye